Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you We've been talking about fasting and I thought I would uh, just continue on with that. Let's go to Daniel chapter 9 and verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet for the accomplishing of the desolations of Jerusalem, even seventy years. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. He understood that Jeremiah had already declared the end of the years was approaching very quickly. And, um, but he was still seeking the Lord with fasting and prayers that God's people would be ready and, uh, everything else. And he was asking for wisdom from God. And so he sought him with fasting and sackcloth and supplications. And he said, and I prayed unto the Lord my God and made confession. Uh, this is a very important thing if you're Seeking the Lord for answers or seeking the Lord for anything is to make confession of your sins and, uh, and with fasting. O Lord, the great and dreadful God, who keepeth covenant and loving kindness with them that love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and have dealt perversely and have done wickedly, and have rebelled, even turning aside from thy precepts and from thine ordinances. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, that spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Well, like I said, you want God's ear, several things you can do. Uh, confess your sins, pray and fast. And let's go down to verse 11. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even turning aside, that they should not obey thy voice. Therefore hath the curse been poured out upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God. For we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us, by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heavens hath not 
been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. And it is written in the law of Moses, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil is come upon us. Yet have we not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, that we should turn from our iniquities and have discernment in thy truth. Notice that we need favor from the Lord. We need grace from the Lord to turn from our iniquities. It is uh, Salvation is not by our works uh, because of our fallen nature. It couldn't be. But it is by grace from God. And that we would have discernment in the truth. Because many people are blind to the truth even at this day, especially Christianity. Blind to the truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched over the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all of his works which he doeth. And we have not obeyed his voice. Well, the Lord is always right. He is always righteous. And we should start out with that in our mind. So that we won't stumble and fall and accuse God falsely. Uh, we haven't received anything that we don't deserve from God. Uh, and I might say that it's not for our good. It's all for our good. Okay? Uh, another thing. Let's go down to verse uh, 19. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God, because thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Forgive. Ask God to forgive. Confess sins. Ask God to forgive. Ask God for favor. So as he was doing this, fasting, praying, confessing, uh, verse 21 says, Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he instructed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee wisdom and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment went forth, and I am come to tell thee. So at his very beginning of his fast and his confessions and so on and so forth, um, Gabriel was sent to give him instructions. For thou art greatly beloved, therefore consider the matter and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are decreed upon thy people. All right, we're not going to go into the 70 weeks, uh, but the answer came because he set his heart to get answers from the Lord through fasting, making confession, asking for mercy and grace, forgiveness, right? Oh, praise be to God. You know, we have not because we ask not, the word says. And so this is a great way to get God's attention, these things that Daniel did. He understood. He knew that. 
that this is a great way to get God's attention. Now I'd like to look at uh, Daniel chapter 6. And um, we'll start in verse 13. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, who is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the interdict that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Well, as you know, um, these people set a trap for Daniel. Uh, they first uh, provoked the king to do this, and then they knew this was going to catch Daniel. So now they're springing the trap. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased. And I'm sure he knew what these guys did because of the way he treated them afterwards. And set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. So the king favored Daniel. And uh, he wanted him delivered, but his own law was keeping him from doing that. And he labored till the going down of the sun to rescue him. Then these men assembled together unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no interdict nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. So the king knew he had been tricked. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. The king obviously had been already impressed with uh, Daniel's God. And he spoke a word of faith here, didn't he? And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. <laughs> so here is a... Not a Jew, um, but one who has brought the Jews into captivity, uh, fasting. He passed the night fasting. Neither were uh, instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. Well, now that was pretty hard for a king because they usually treat themselves pretty good, you know, but uh, this one was making a sacrifice. <laughs> he did not, he wanted Daniel saved. <clears throat> and believe me, if God would hear his prayer, he'd hear yours, right? Amen. In fact, Jesus said, all things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe you received them and you shall have them, right? So, then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came near unto the den to Daniel, he cried with a lamentable voice 
The king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouths. And they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king. Now that's a good thing to have if you want God's favor, is innocency. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I bet you, Daniel, down there, <laughs> next to the lion, was making sure he was right with God. It's it's good when you're not gobbled up immediately, because then you got a chance to get right with God, right? <laughs> and um, And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him. I would say that now everybody was convinced that he was a good guy, because God spared him, right? Including the king. Because he had trusted in his God. Amen. And the king commanded... And they brought those men that had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives, and the lions had mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces before they came to the bottom of the den. Wow. Then King Darius wrote unto all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. In his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? Oh, glory be to God. An awesome answer to prayer and fasting. And in particular, by the king, who was already respectful of Daniel's God, but now was totally convinced. <laughs> glory be to God. Uh, so, if God would answer this man, he would certainly answer a son of God, a child of the king, right? I'll give you another example like that. Look at 1 Kings 21. Let's go to verse uh, 20. And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee because thou hast sold thyself to do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord. He sold himself. He traded uh, his life with God because of the lust of his flesh. 
In other words, he really wasn't uh, denying himself anything, right? Uh, which is kind of what the symbol of a fast is, right? It's denying, feeding your flesh. Amen. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee and will utter, utterly sweep thee away and will cut off from Ahab every man-child and him that is shut up and him that is left at large in Israel. In other words, he's going to wipe him out. And I will make thy house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, for the provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger, and hath made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the rampart of Jezreel. Him that dieth of Ahab in the city, the dogs shall eat. And him that dieth in the field shall the birds of the heaven eat. But there was none like unto Ahab who did sell himself to do that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? This is a most evil man. Whom, the, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all that the Amorites did, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass, when Ahab heard those words, that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted. (laughs) Now, this is a really evil man, you know. I would say uh, the king who dealt with Daniel was a much better man than this one. And this one knew more and was held accountable for more. But he humbled himself, right? He put on sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and laid in sackcloth and went softly. I guess that's a meaning for maybe humbly, right? He went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days. But in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. Wow. Even this evil man gained the heart and the attention of God by humbling himself through fasting, through sackcloth. Amazing. So, I mean, here we see, in a couple instances, how that the Lord God... gave attention to very, very wicked people because they fasted and prayed. So that's pretty awesome, I think. You know, what we're called to do is to sacrifice our flesh. And that's because the Lord has called us 
to be priests of God. In Exodus 19, in verse 5, we're told, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be mine own possession from among all the peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. In other words, the whole kingdom is going to be priests. You see that? They're all going to be priests. And a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Okay, so they're priests and a holy nation. What does fasting represent? What does it do? You know? Um well, it is a priestly sacrifice of our fleshly lusts. We're putting our flesh on the altar. We're offering it up to God when we do a fast, whether it's a spiritual fast or a physical fast. It makes no difference. Both do the same thing. Um, and we're priests to sacrifice flesh on the altar of the fiery trial. You you know, uh, we have a strong desire, which is the word lust, actually, translated lust. We have a strong desire to eat for our flesh to partake of what pleases it. And a spiritual fast, like a natural fast, is denying our flesh what it wants. This is uh, paramount to repentance, right? Um, Physical fasting is good because God sees that you're willing to sacrifice to have his attention, to have his mercy, to have his grace. Spiritual fasting, denying your flesh or yourself the right to partake of what you want in order to Sacrifice to God in order to hear his voice, in order to hear um, or have his ear, so to speak. And so another thing we can see about this, I would say, is in First Peter chapter 2. And I'd like to read uh, like 1 to 10. It says, putting away, therefore, all wickedness and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. Now, that's a spiritual fast, if I ever heard one. As newborn babes long for the spiritual milk, which is without guile, that ye may grow thereby unto salvation. And by the way, You know, we don't grow in the area of salvation if we're not doing a spiritual fast, denying ourself. If you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, unto whom coming a living stone, rejected indeed of men, of course, obviously we will be rejected of men if we're accepted of God. And the more that we're accepted of God, the more we will be be rejected of men. 
but with God elect or chosen, precious. What is it? What is it that causes men to reject us? Is to have an opinion totally contrary to theirs, and to be a conviction unto them of one who is willing to give up their life, which they think is totally unnatural and totally uncalled for. And what God would even desire this? That's the worldly thought, right? He said, you also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Because we offer up spiritual sacrifices, as he says here, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are, we are ordained priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices of our own flesh, of our own self-life, to God. This is the normal Christian life. Sad to say, it isn't the normal Christian life for the worldly Christian, but it is the normal Christian life according to the Bible. We're constantly denying ourselves so that we can have the presence of God, so that we can be built up in the spiritual man. It's the feed the white dog, feed the black dog story all over again. Feed the white dog, he whips the black dog. Feed the black dog, he whips the white dog. Well, deny the old man and he dies. A spiritual fast that must be a continual burnt offering. You know, the Jews don't have a continual burnt offering, but those who are in God's covenant do still have a continual burnt offering. It's it's us offering up our flesh in the fiery trial, a burnt offering. But guess what happens to the flesh with a burnt offering? It disappears, right? And that's what we want, because God won't accept it in, he- in heaven. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? But he says that this holy priesthood, which he has ordained us to, to offer up these spiritual sacrifices is acceptable to him through Jesus Christ. Now, suppose your priest doesn't do his job, and you don't uh, offer up sacrifices well-pleasing unto God. Well, then you're not manifesting your salvation, that you may grow thereby unto salvation. As Jesus said himself, if you don't lose your life, you won't gain your life. Uh, he did say it was conditional, contrary to popular opinion. He said, because it is contained in Scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be put to shame. Oh, glory be to God. Shall not be put to shame. For you, therefore, that believe is the preciousness, and for such as disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected. Is the stone still being rejected by the builders? Well, of course, when they change their doctrines to let the flesh live, and that you don't have to offer up your old life as a sacrifice unto God. Now you just accept Jesus, right? Of course, he is the stone which the builders rejected. 
And everyone he's ever spoken out of, every prophet, every man of God has also been rejected by the builders. The same was made the head of the corner. Oh, oh, they're in trouble now. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. You know, the Lord Jesus, and again, everybody he's ever spoken out of, is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumbled at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. They did not offer up their life as a spiritual sacrifice to God. But you are an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may show forth the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now notice that. We are here to show forth his excellency in us. Now, there's people that don't even fathom that. They don't think it's necessary, and they don't think it's possible, and they say you're always going to be a sinner saved by grace. But they don't know that grace saves sinners. (laughs) Praise God. They don't even know that. Um, It saves. It really saves sinners. Who in times past were no people, but now are a people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And I might just go on down from 19, I think, maybe through about uh, 23. For this is acceptable, if for conscience towards God a man endures griefs, suffering wrongfully. Well, now that's offering up yourself as a sacrifice, is it not? Endureth grief, suffering wrongfully, because you have a conscience towards God? For what glory is it if when you you sin and are buffeted for it, you shall take it patiently? Of course, if you sin, you deserve it, you know it, so on and so forth. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you shall take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. Why? Because this is a sacrifice of your old flesh. Who gets more self-righteous when they've done right and suffer for it? Oh, they get very indignant. Right? But the Lord says, no, just shut up and take it, because this is your sacrifice. For her and two were you called. He's called us to do this. He don't want you to murmur when you're suffering at the hands of the wicked or the wicked Christians. He don't want you to murmur and complain. This is your sacrifice. Here and two were ye called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. Oh, so the Lord wants us to do the same thing he did, leaving us an example of Christ, right? That ye should follow his steps. Glory be to God. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Oh, glory to God. So, he's an example to us. He wants us to behave in that way. He wants us to put our old flesh on the altar and let it burn up. Have you ever felt the burning of God 
when you just keep your mouth shut and people are talking about you and they're reviling you and they're doing evil, have you ever felt that burning sensation in your spirit? What's it burning? Well, it's burning up the old nasty flesh, right? Glory be to God. So that your sacrifice uh, will be acceptable to God. Well, well, what is your sacrifice? Well, I would say Romans 12, 1 and 2 describes it very well. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. That is, to make your body serve the Lord. To present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. And uh, some translators translate this, your reasonable service. Some people think it's not reasonable to turn the other cheek, to resist not him that's evil, to suffer for righteousness' sake. They think that's not reasonable, and they're not not about to do it either. <laughs> but but that's what we've been called to. We just read it. That's what we've been called to. This is a a reasonable service. It is a spiritual service. This is God's plan for us. Because in going through this, the old flesh is mortified. It is put to death so that you don't have to serve it any longer, right? It, this is a fast. You're not going to let your flesh live. You're not feeding your flesh. All you have to do to feed the flesh is give it what it wants, whatever it is, whatever your lust is. If it's retaliation in a circumstance like this, you know, that's feeding the flesh. And our spiritual fast is to never let that happen. He said, be not fashioned according to this world. In other words, you know how the world likes to mold us by uh, action and reaction, right? They expect a reaction from us because it's the normal, it's the natural, and it's what the devil tempts us with. He wants to get a reaction, an illegal reaction. Because the flesh is still alive and kicking and climbing down off that cross, right? Be not fashioned according to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, this is what we're talking about today is renewing your mind. Think like Jesus thought, because he is your example, right? Have this mind in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Because he suffered in the flesh, and we are too. That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oh, hallelujah. That's what we're here for. We are priests. Priests of God. A kingdom of priests. And we're here to offer up sacrifices of our old flesh, which is our self-life, to him. Amen? Now, the Apostle Paul spoke much of this. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 
and verse 24. Know ye not that they that run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. And, you know, I got a revelation years ago that the one that receiveth the prize is Jesus. Because as we abide in him, and we take up our cross to follow him and, and be in his footsteps, we're going to win the, win the race because the old man is what's holding us back. The every weight and the sin we're supposed to lay aside, right? That so easily besets us and run with patience the race, right? So the one who's going to win this race is Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We need to let him run the race. We need to stop hindering him by feeding the flesh. Because Jesus in us is the spiritual man. And if you're feeding the carnal man, you're not going to finish the race. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. This race is not against other people. It's against the time clock. Because we've been given a certain amount of time, each one of us, to bear fruit. And fruit is the spiritual man. Fruit is the absence of the carnal man, the flesh that's put upon the altar. It's the absence of that. That's what fruit is. Fruit is Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? One receiveth the prize. So if we abide in him, we can't help but win this race. What is abiding in him? Have that in you which you heard from the beginning, he said in First John. In other words, these things I'm sharing with you straight out of the Bible, this is not my opinion. It's the word of the Lord. Abiding in these things is abiding in Jesus Christ. He is the Word. We don't have a choice. Christianity has fallen away. And uh, multitudes will not finish the race. That's sad to say, but it's the truth. So he goes on to say, One receiveth the prize. Even so, run that you may attain. We have to run the race according to the law, according to the word, so that we can legally attain. Because he says, and every man that striveth in the games exercises self-control in all things. Here it is. <clears throat> now, this is a fast if there ever was one. We, in order to finish the race, we must exercise self-control. In all things. Now, who controls self? Well, you might say the spiritual man. You'd be right. You might say God. You'd be right again. Because God, through the spiritual man, is the only one that's going to control your flesh. Self-control in all things. If you don't, it's like raising a child that you don't chasten. You don't give them any motivation to resist their lower nature. They become monsters. 
And if you don't exercise self-control and you give in to the flesh and you feed and feed and feed the flesh, you're going to die. If you walk after the flesh, you must die, Paul said in Romans 8. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. This is fasting. This is denying to feed your flesh, right? Now they do it to receive a corruptible crown. Oh, notice. He's saying in order to receive your crown, you must do this. And I'm going to point out to you that Jesus said this in many other ways. They do it to receive a corruptible crown. But we, an incorruptible, we do this. We deny ourselves. We exercise self-control in what? All things. All things. Some people overeat. Some people are oversexed. Some people are given in to their lower nature as regards to competition with others. Etc., etc. There's a long, long list, but he says, exercise self control in all things. If you don't have self control, it's because self has the control. Self is at the controls. And you know in your life where self is at the controls, it's very hard to contain him <laughs> or restrain him, right? So, Paul said what he did was, he constantly kept that thing under so that it wasn't able to rise up and control him. Verse 26, I therefore so run as not uncertainly. In other words, if you run the way Paul runs, you have a certainty of winning the race. Hallelujah. So fight I as not beating the air, because some people obviously do. They're just swinging it thin air. They're never connecting with the old man, right? <laughs> you got to connect with him. When you swing, you got to hit him every time, <laughs> you know. Um, but I buffet my body. And that means bruise, or it means hit many times, right? I buffet my body and bring it into bondage. Well, I dare say that's strange talk for most people, and they really don't think it's necessary, and they've been told it's not. you just got to trust in the grace of God that he forgives you for all of your sins and just keep on sinning and don't worry about it. you know. <laughs> but no, he tells you how to stop this. He said, I buffet my body. I bring it into bondage. Well, just picture that. Paul is saying to his old flesh, No, you don't. You're not going to do that. You're going to do this. I don't care whether you like it or not. <laughs> and bring it into bondage. Now, just picture the old flesh in bondage. Can't do what it wants to do. Bound up. In jail. Incapable of controlling the situation. Right? Lest by any means, after that I have preached to others, I myself 
should be rejected. Wow, this is the great Apostle Paul. (laughs) Maybe the greatest apostle, you know. And he said that even after he taught all these awesome and wonderful things, that if he didn't keep his old flesh in bondage, beat up and in bondage, he would be rejected too. How dare apostate Christians say they can't be rejected if the Apostle Paul can be rejected? The word is adakimos. It means reprobate. Not standing the test. Not standing the test. That's what rejected here means. What test? Well, We're striving in the games here, and the striving is to exercise self-control in all things, to keep the old man in bondage, to keep him bound up so that he cannot walk, live, speak, do the things that he wants to do. And I tell you, it doesn't take but turning him loose just a few times to make him much stronger. He gets bigger, he gets stronger, he gets... After a while, hard to handle. In fact, he gets impossible. If he's used to being given into, you have weakened your spiritual man, you have strengthened your carnal man, and you will be reprobated if you do not repent. Just as the Apostle Paul. God's no respecter of persons. Paul said a lot of good things, boy, I tell you. He was anointed of the Lord. He was a good teacher, but he'd have been lost if he didn't keep his flesh under. And there's a lot of preachers out there that they can really speak, you know, they can uh, preach a blue streak, but it it won't help them because their flesh is ruling. And they don't have any mind uh, to do anything differently. Now I'm going to go on, I think, a little bit here. For I would not, brethren, have you ignorant that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And you'd say, okay, they're a shoe in. They all made it, right? And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Okay, they're baptized, man. They're in there, right? And did all eat the same spiritual food? They ate the manna from heaven. Have you eaten the manna from heaven? I dare say. Quite a few of you have eaten some manna from heaven. And did all drink the same spiritual drink? They partook of the Holy Spirit of God, right? Those rivers of living water. For they drank of a spiritual rock that followed them. And you know who that rock was. And the rock was Christ. Water out of the rock, the water of the Word of God, they drank it. It became part of them. You know, we're made up of mostly water, so in the spirit realm, it's still true. Howbeit, with most, most, most of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Wow, they did all these things? 
and they didn't make it to the promised land? You got it. They were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples. Uh Uh-oh, now you're meddling, David. What's he saying here? He's saying, this is an example of what will happen in the church. Not to everybody, but to those that God was not well pleased with. Most of them that we call Christians um, are not disciples. Okay. And if the Lord didn't bring trouble and tribulation and persecution and the fear of the Lord, a lot more people would not make it to the promised land than is going to happen because of God's treatment that's coming. Now, these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things. There it is. The old man has been turned loose. There's no fasting. He's being fed, and he's becoming a monster. He takes over your life. Do you have things come up out of you that you don't like? Actions that you don't like, but they're, they've, they're out there, and, they're, and they've, they've been done before you can even try to stop it. That's when the flesh has not been restrained. It has not been on the fiery altar. And the reason it's doing that is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, or the feet walk, or on and on. It's in there first. So the Jews were our examples that we shouldn't lust after evil things, that this flesh shouldn't have its way. As they also lusted, neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. For it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. You know, I talked to somebody the other day, um, Tried to share scripture after scripture after scripture. And um, they were so hung up on their religion that they didn't want to hear it. I mean, they were throwing in there things that were off the wall, as I guess they thought was some way to disprove what I was saying. But everything I was saying was scripture. They, they, they had a doctrine that they liked, and they weren't about to give it up. Their flesh liked it, and they weren't about to give it up. They were idolaters. An idolater is somebody who puts something or someone ahead of God. And when you put your religion or your preacher ahead of God, you cannot defend your doctrine because you haven't even looked in the Scripture to find out if it's there. And somebody comes along and shows you scripture after scripture after scripture that it's wrong, that it's not in the Bible, and you're not going to receive it, and you're going to throw any kind of monkey wrench out there to save yourself. (laughs) And that's what you're trying to do, save yourself, right? That's an idolater. That's an idolater. They want to believe what they want to believe. Forget God, you know. Forget the word. 
Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, they weren't fasting, were they? And because they weren't fasting and denying their flesh, they played with the devil. They played with the religious crowd. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed. I tell you, if you're dancing with the harlot, that's all you're going to do. As some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us make trial of the Lord, as some of them made trial and perished by the serpents. Yeah, they spoke against God. Their words were contrary to God's word. And he sent the fiery serpents to bite them so that they'd die. Neither murmur ye, as some of them murmured and perished by the destroyer. They murmured. They lost out with God. They spoke against the Lord. They grumbled. They complained. Here God was bringing them to the promised land. And they hated the wilderness because they weren't by the flesh pots. They wanted to serve their flesh. But God wanted them in the wilderness, which is a place of denial of the flesh, right? He wanted them to fast, and they wanted to play, have fun, please the flesh. That's not what we're here for. When some people have the idea of what Jesus spoke of as the abundant life, that he wanted us to have abundant life, they think that that means the things of the world. That means please the flesh. That means prosperity. That means having nice doctrines that don't make you go to the cross. That's what it means to them. And they speak against God. Now, these things happen unto them by way of example. The word example here is by way of a figure or by way of a type. The things happen to the Jews as a type and a shadow for us. These things happened unto them by way of example, and they were written for our admonition. These were written for us. They perished. They didn't make it to their promised land. And this was written to us. And it happened because they would not deny their flesh. They wanted to feed their flesh. Don't give me any more of that manna. I'm sick of manna. Give me some flesh. Oh, you want flesh? I'll give you flesh, God said. I'll give it to you come till it comes out your nose. See, this was a way that God had of making them sick of it. When they begin to reap the harvest of eating flesh, flesh, flesh. 
There's people in hospitals right now because they just can't stop eating flesh. <laughs> Honestly, spiritually and physically, they're dying, killing themselves because they can't stop eating flesh. Now, that should be a type in the shadow force right there, right? And this is written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Some people are self-confident. God hates self-confidence. He wants God-confidence. He wants humility from us. We can do nothing without him. He wants humility out of us. But he wants us to be confident in his promises. Gospel, which is the good news, is the power of God to save the one that believes it. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus.